Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com, on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory, and on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, if you have been listening to this podcast and finding value in it and haven't left me a review over on Apple Podcast, please do so. Reviews help other people know that this is a show worth listening to. So if you've found value in this show and haven't left a review, please take some time and let me know what you've been thinking. And maybe you don't listen on Apple Podcast, just reach out and I'd love to hear from you. It just to know uh, your background, what value you've found in the podcast, and what I can do better. On this episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast, I talk with Josh Guerrero, who, before serving as a Peace Corps volunteer, served in the Marine Corps. Now, Marine Corps and Peace Corps are often thought to be uh, very, very different from one another, because they are. But they have this underlying uh, understanding of, of service. And we talk about that and the ways in which serving in the Marine Corps prepared him to be a Peace Corps volunteer and things that he learned while serving in the Peace Corps. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here is episode 46. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. I'm Josh Guerrero, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Tyler. It's um, great to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, you come from, I guess, a a more unusual background uh, before going into Peace Corps service. Because you served as a Marine for four years before uh, going to the Gambia uh, as an education volunteer. But before that, let's, let's set the stage of, you know, who is Josh? Uh, what were you doing prior to Peace Corps, may, be it, you know, your military service or even before that? And why did you join the Peace Corps? All right. Well, to go back a little bit, um, I hail from a small town in um, central Michigan. It's um, population about 1100 people. You know, everybody knows uh, everybody. You know, a lot of people tend to stay in the town, uh, like following like high school graduation and so on and so forth. And it was three weeks after I had graduated from high school where I was on the plane, uh, the plane to San Diego, California to start Marine Corps boot camp. Now, of course, like this was um, a long time ago. This was 2004 when I had graduated. And like obviously a few years prior to that, when 9-11 had started, you know, that was really kind of what sort of set the stage for me making that decision. So I served in the Marine Corps for four years and then following that, that ser- my service, I had returned to Michigan and just really just kind of uh, 
decided to live more of a quote unquote normal life. Like I went back to um, my undergrad and I was starting working towards a degree in elementary education. And close to around the time when I had uh, graduated with my degree, the situation with uh, education, especially uh, where I was from, was like not very good. Like a lot of schools were closing and a lot of teachers were getting laid off. It was certainly one of those moments where there was a lot more teachers with degrees and uh, licenses than there were uh, jobs available. So therefore, I kind of decided to look a little bit more outward. And um, I also had like this uh, big sense of adventure, um, just really kind of wanted to get out and see the world like a little bit more because um, honestly spe um, speaking, like during my Marine Corps experience, um, I was able to travel quite a bit and experience a lot, but I actually, I, I didn't deploy. And, um, you know, like some people would say, um, well, that's good. But to some degree, I almost say that, you know, it was kind of unfortunate because like in hindsight, it, it would have been, you know, interesting to have that experience of deploying. And, you know, and also let's face it, I, I was a Marine, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of my duty. But so I kind of had like this knack for adventure again. And uh, so therefore, one thing led to another. And I uh, decided on Peace Corps because I figured, well, this will at least give me like two years where I could utilize uh, my education, my education background that I had uh, just developed and also hopefully maybe come back with a competitive edge, like having like uh, this experience like on my resume and uh, hopefully maybe by that time, the state of education um, would have been turned around a little bit, which, you know, cutting a long story short, it wasn't that wasn't really actually the case upon returning home. But that was really what sort of like led me uh, into the Peace Corps and ultimately serving in the Gambia and West Africa as part of uh, the Peace Corps education sector there. OK, well, thank you for that background. And well, I mean, one thing that I, I want to explore and get into are the, you know, the, the differences between Marine Corps and Peace Corps. But before even that, um, did you, uh, I guess, face any prejudice from, from fellow volunteers or maybe even during the application process of, you know, well, who is this, you know, jarhead, <laughs> um, the, you know, this military guy wanting, wanting to go into the Peace Corps or may, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just I'm, I'm overthinking it. But what what was that sort of transition um, from, you know, I guess a label of Marine to Peace Corps? Well, certainly didn't really fa face um, a whole lot of issues with within like the application process. Um, and actually, I would almost uh, say to some degree that my military background did actually sort of help uh, my uh, education or, or excuse me, uh, my application process. Because I believe that like my recruiter that I had sat down and interviewed with, I think he pretty much got the impression that like. I was going to, if I was going to go into the Peace Corps, that I was going to commit to it to the very end, because obviously, like most Marines or or even like most veterans for that matter, is that we're very mission oriented. Like we like to see things uh, through to the completion once we've made the decision to start them. And so I, because I think you could probably relate to this as well, that a lot of the application process and, you know, chatting with the recruiters, they're they're, they are assessing your skills, but they're also very much assessing your character. And I think they really saw that I had it in my character that like if I'm if I said that I'm going to go to um, 
the the Gambia um, or wherever, like at the time they weren't sure where I was going to go, but wherever they invited me to go, that I was going to go and I was going to see it through to the very end um, because that was that was just um, my background. But now going on to like the other part of your question, like how I was interacting with other volunteers, um, there certainly was like a few, a few like a little bit of tension when it came to like certain viewpoints. Cause obviously with me being a Marine, I'm, I'm pro second amendment. Like, um, like I like to shoot. Um, I also, um, have like a, a concealed carry license and a lot of them were, um, were, were obviously like anti-gun, but so it was, um, one of those things where, there were a couple times where like arguments like did ensue, like, you know, just like a lot of those, like it was, and it was, it wasn't really like proper debates. It was just like straight arguing. It was just bantering back and forth rather than like actually like trying to put ourselves in each other's shoes and seeing like, um, and just like, you know, we didn't have to agree on each other's like viewpoints, but we can at least um, be respectful of each other's opinions and, and things like that. So there were a few, a few of those moments Um, but for the most part though, like, you know, um, beyond that though, like I didn't, I didn't really try to make it like too much of an issue. I didn't try to be like, you know, Oh yeah, I'm a Marine. I'm I'm a big badass or, you know, anything, anything like that, you know, it's just like, I mean, I was, I was, after all, I was, uh, fulfilling, I was in a new chapter in my life. I was a Peace Corps volunteer now. And obviously we're, we're all on the same mission and, and what it is that we want to do as volunteers. I mean, obviously you know, we're on different paths for said mission, you know, we're in, some of us were in different sectors and we were in different villages. Some of us were trained to speak different languages because there was a quite a few, um, ethnic, uh, languages within the Gambia, despite its small size. But, you know, at the same time though, we still had the same mission. So ultimately little like petty things like, you know, differences and an opinion on issues like that, you know, really didn't, didn't really have much of a place and they didn't really hold a lot of ground in the long run. So for the most part though, it was, it it was very good interaction with my uh, fellow volunteers in country. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And then speaking of your mission, you were an education volunteer working in the Gambia but what what does that really mean? What was your day to day or some of the overall task? Um, because you were it was yeah, K through eight of what you were doing, and were were you a subject area expert? Like, were you a science teacher, math teacher, or more of just a, a floating generalist? Give us a sense of the actual work you were doing. Well, my official title was primary teacher trainer, which is pretty much exactly how it sounds. Um, I wasn't really necessarily assigned as like a permanent teacher, like in the school, like I wasn't assigned my own students or my own subject matter to teach. What my role more or less was actually um, going in and working with the teachers to see how I can enhance like their teaching practices as well as their match their excuse me their classroom management skills and a lot of that was done through like various workshops like we would have like meetings every so often where I would just kind of give like maybe like a short class on how to do like certain things like how to set rules and guidelines for the classes and I would also occasionally go into the different teachers classrooms and observe them as they're teaching a lesson and then give them feedback um after the fact and often t- and there was also a lot of just like uh one-on-one instruction that way as well 
where I would just kind of meet with teachers like or if they like want to come to me like when I when I had my um, I guess I will say office hours. Um, I didn't really have an office there, but like I would just make myself available. So that way, if they ever did have like any questions or if there was anything they were unsure about, you know, they can come and find me and I will try to like uh, help them as best they can. But I, I also did have other roles uh, within the school as well. I was uh, I was one of the scout coordinators because they wanted to do um, a scout program. And um, so I uh, partnered up with um, another teacher who also wanted to um, run point on the program as well. And we would occasionally um, hold like uh, weekend campfires. And it was typically like some of the older students. Like I want to say we pretty much welcomed like the students who were in like grades five through eight to be part of uh, the scout program. And a lot of it was teaching them like, you know, various like life skills, um, you know, like how to like, you know, practice good, uh, like sanitary safe conditions, wash their hands before they eat. And, and also just kind of just, um, have them take on like the, um, the, the, like roles as like role models, like for the younger students within the school as well, kind of like having them fulfill like various like leadership roles, like with like, monitoring lunchtime, making sure that lines were in order or making sure that they were in lines to go to like the water taps and so on and so forth. So that's pretty much what my role was uh, within my school. It was a Bajakunda basic cycle school is what it was. And it was in uh, the eastern side of the Gambia. And that's where I had served and worked as a primary teacher trainer. All right. Well, thank you for that that background. And then as you were saying, I just had a one thought slash question that popped up into my mind with the uh, Boy Scouts of America in the United States uh, changing their name. And I think just going by BSA and now going to be opening it up to uh, girls as well. Um, was your scouting program uh, just young young men or was it uh, both uh, boys and girls? Oh, it was uh, it was it was both uh, boys and girls um, because uh like the school had like um a head a head boy and a head girl and um and of course like being like within this particular community obviously there were like very like distinct gender roles as i'm sure you know like a lot of volunteers probably have observed like in the countries that they served so a lot of those like roles like still kind of held true like in the like during the weekend camps where You'd see like a lot of like the female students that would like do the cooking and, and things like that. But for the most part, though, we it was an inclusive thing for sure. Okay. And when you weren't in the classroom uh, leading, you know, uh, scout outings around, around a campfire, what was your day to day life like in village? I mean, how did how did you pass your time? Well, I guess I'll start with like my morning because I did end up getting a pretty, pretty distinct uh, morning routine where I would get up and the first thing I would do is just drink a ton of water because I had a lot of like sleepless nights because um, it, it was just so hot where I lived. Like um, I didn't have a thermometer while I was there, but after the fact, I had found out that pretty much most days uh, in my village are consistent like 107 degrees pretty much like all the time <laughs> and of course that looms well into the night so a lot of restless nights with um you know sweating uh well as i'm trying to sleep so i would get up 
drink some water, um, just try to like move around a little bit. I typically like to put in music. And this is like before I had learned that podcasts were a thing. Otherwise, I'm sure I would have had a lot more podcasts than I would have music. Mm-hmm. But so listen to music, kind of move around a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm a martial artist, so I would I like to shadow box like in my house just to kind of get the blood flowing. And I would open up my front door and that was usually the indication to my host family outside that I was awake because they always, they usually like to bring me my breakfast. And so they would bring me my breakfast, which, um, it, it varied on different days. Um, sometimes I would get like, um, a, a simple dish, like what's called sombi, which is pretty much just like boiled rice and water and some, and with like a lot of sugar and uh, sometimes I would enhance that if I and put in some peanut butter if I had it. Um, sometimes maybe it was even something as simple as a loaf of bread, which, um, of course, I would always try to spruce up with like um, some peanut butter and a banana. I'm probably going to share a lot of like instances where I had peanut butter with my food while I was there. Um, so that was kind of my morning routine. But yeah, but when I wasn't in school or when I wasn't um, doing my work, I suppose, as a volunteer, um, I spent a lot of time reading which, um, you know, bless my family's heart, but they actually sent me a Kindle while I, while I was, um, in the Gambia and I was able to, um, get my hands on like, uh, quite a few, uh, different electronic books and also like a, a lot of, uh, paperback books that the Peace Corps kept in its library. And that was a pretty liberating thing for me because reading was not something that I had done very much while I was, uh, back in the States. And it was just really nice to have the means to actually like read and learn and do all that sort of stuff because, well, quite frankly, there was there wasn't really much else like to do. You know, there's no there's no movie theater to go watch a movie. There's no bars to like go frequent or or anything like that. So, so I had to find many other ways to like pass the time. So it was typically um, like a lot of reading, and I also obviously did a lot of like physical training as well. Um, you know, I started uh, I, I picked up some some yoga poses from some of the other volunteers that I would, uh, that I would practice. And I found some running routes, um, around my village and also routes to go hiking. You know, occasionally, occasionally I would just like load up my rucksack, um, my camelback and just go out and hike and just explore like, uh, some of the, the areas and forests like, uh, around the village. So, so basically reading and working out, I guess, were <laughs> pretty much like the main things that I did, uh, w- uh, while I was in my village. Sounds eerily similar to, to my experience as well. Uh, definitely can, uh, say that I had a, a similar morning routine and then I can not state the importance of a Kindle, um, for a Peace Corps volunteer. So if you're listening to this podcast, interested in the Peace Corps, uh, then you, and you end up going, make sure that you bring a, a Kindle with you, just loaded, loaded down with books. Um, you will have free time on your hands and it's the perfect opportunity to, you know, get through those books that you always wanted to get through. Uh, but you know, war and peace, infinite jest, or, uh, just, you know, some light trashy reading as well. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an excellent way to pass the time. Uh, so, uh, bring a Kindle. Uh, but now uh, getting into more of the, the stories of, of your Peace Corps service, uh, because this is the My Peace Corps Story podcast, do you have a story that you love to share, a favorite story? And this 
doesn't have to be you know related to your work. It's anything that you experienced as a volunteer in the Gambia. Uh, and yeah, that that's it. So what, what do you have for us? What is your story that you'd like to share? Well, I will share um, what is my personal greatest accomplishment from my service. And surprisingly enough, that wasn't really, it didn't really pertain to my assigned role as a primary teacher trainer. It was actually how I was able to benefit my host family. And um, now one of the things that like some of the other volunteers had done was uh, try to, like especially some of those that were in the health sector, they were working on um, malaria uh, awareness and prevention. So I had rode my bike to... Um, this city called Janjanbure, which believe it or not was actually it's is actually a long like uh, ways away, and it was it was a little bit of a trek, but that's a that's a different matter. But so I had learned quite a few things about malaria, and at the time I didn't I knew very little about malaria uh, um, as well, which. I guess, you know, that was maybe a little bit of a mistake on part. Surely I should have probably researched that a little bit more before actually going <laughs> to the Gambia. But um, so it was something I had learned about quite a bit and learned how that it was they were, it was spread by mosquitoes, but not just any mosquito, but the Anopheles mosquito, which, um, you know, I'll just kind of share this quickly for um for uh, my fellow Americans who are listening, but, you know, feel fortunate that the Anopheles mosquito can't survive in the United States. So there's no risk of malaria spreading in the United States, but that's certainly not the case um, with West Africa, as well as, you know, much of the continent and other parts of the world as well. So I had learned a lot more about malaria and I went back to, um, my village, um, Bajakunda, and I was talking with my host father and because one thing I had observed in my um, host family's house is that they didn't have any any nets. And obviously, of course, like the Peace Corps, they issued um, us um, our mosquito nets to hang over our beds and, you know, really good quality mosquito nets at that. But my host family, they, they didn't have them. And so I, I, I told my host father about um, what I had learned about malaria. And at the time, uh, he wasn't really sure what malaria was. I mean, it was another thing like they had heard the term malaria, but for them, it was just an all encompassing thing for just being sick. It wasn't, they didn't really um, see it as its own distinct disease. So, but once I had told him a little bit more about what I had learned and that it was, um, the mosquitoes that spread it, he kind of like looked at me with like a little bit of shock and awe. Like I kind of just like, really opened his eyes to the dangers of malaria. And then just about the simple fact that it wasn't indeed like just, you know, you having like a, a, a cough or a sniffly nose or anything like that is that it's a radical disease that, you know, quite that every now and then does kill people. And he took that very seriously. And he actually himself, um, taking that information, he took the initiative and actually got every single bed in the house, a net. And, seeing him take that initiative and taking those measures to protect, um, his, his family. And of course my host family, which, um, was consisted mostly of young, young children, most of them under the age of 10, you know, that was just for me, like a huge victory, just like knowing that, like this family is now like, uh, taking steps to protect themselves from malaria. And, you know, I kind of maybe had like, a small hand in it. I mean, obviously 
Like I didn't go get the beds for them. I just relayed information. So that way, um, they became aware and they, it, it was up to them to, to, to make that step. And my host father did. And the single greatest moment of my, of my experience, of my whole Peace Corps experience. And, um, I'm going to get a little bit of emotional when I talk about this. So I hope you all will bear with me. But when I, I stepped out of my house uh, one night to go talk to like just, you know, just to kind of sit with my host family, like talk to them, you know, as I was winding down the day. And um, I see my baby host sister. Um, her name was Isa, too. And she was about three months old at the time. And she was actually born like um, a few months after I had arrived at my village. And my host father got her uh, like her own mosquito net. And it was kind of a, a unique one. It was sort of like shaped like a crock pot lid where all you do is just like lay her down and then you just cover her with this um, crock pot lid mosquito net to protect her from mosquitoes. And just when I saw her just sleeping like so soundly and just like knowing that she's protected and that mosquitoes can't get to her or hurt her, you know, it's just, it, it was, it was just incredible. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of tearing up just telling you, telling you all about it right now, but that was just amazing and even though maybe I didn't make like leaps and bounds with making huge changes at my school or getting like all of my teachers like on board with um, a lot of the stuff that I tried to share with them about like teaching methods and classroom management, but I, I would I would do it all over again and I would like suffer all the things that I had suffered. I'd face all the challenges that I had faced just to make sure that that baby girl got that mosquito net. So that was it was a huge victory for me. And maybe some people might view it as a small one because it's, you know, some people would be like, well, it's just one child. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to think about, oh, it's just one child when you're there, like actually seeing her for yourself. I mean, it's, uh, so that was, um, that, that's like my greatest victory and personally my favorite story to tell from, <laughs> from my whole experience. Well, Josh, Thank you for sharing that. And I'm I'm over here tearing up as well, just from being able to kind of relate to it and just hearing the emotions in your voice and the important message that you underscore there that it's not always the big projects. You know, this you know, this precipitated from a conversation that, that you were having with your host father. You know, something just a a regular activity of just taking the time and relaying information that maybe they weren't aware of. And that's that's a lot of what being a volunteer is. Just being there and and talking and exchanging thoughts and ideas. And it's not that you're there to, you know, to to be an educator and educate them on on everything, but you, you know, you were sharing something that you had learned while while in Peace Corps and that became sort of important to you. And then it's, you know, it transformed this family. And, you know, yes, it is it was a minor thing, but who knows what effects it's going to have, what ripple effects. And I, I love that that is your favorite memory. I, I mean, I absolutely love it. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And as we all know, those of us who have served and are serving, Peace Corps is hard. Peace Corps is difficult. Uh, but, you know, you were a Marine. <laughs> uh, 
what what did being a marine and the things that you learned during you know uh, training and and your service as a marine what skills that you did you foster there that helped you be a better volunteer well i'd say the biggest things that uh the first things that come to mind when you ask that is going to be um my ability to adapt um, and overcome, you know, improvise, adapt and overcome is, you know, one of the sayings that like Marines have. And, you know, we, we need to, um, because like, obviously with the dynamic nature of being in combat, we need to be able to improvise, think on the fly and so on and so forth. So going into, to Peace Corps, like a lot, a lot, there was a lot of challenges that certainly like, uh, did arise and, it became a bit of a mental battle to like kind of like cope with them. And obviously anyone who's um, been a Peace Corps volunteer and especially, you know, yourself being in this part of the world know that we face extreme heat, um, sometimes a lot of like radical illnesses that we've never faced before. You know, I can recall a few times where I'm just curled up in a ball and I'm just writhing in agony from a parasite in my intestines from, you know, from like the water, wherever, wherever it was that I might've gotten it from. But like, I kind of like to think of my experience, like, uh, in the Marine Corps, especially boot camp, where I kind of viewed a lot of things that I faced, like kind of like a scale and like, um, where it's like on one end, I would I would put like my my experience in boot camp where basically for three months straight, I'm getting my butt kicked. I got drill instructors screaming in my face. I'm, you know, not getting a whole lot of sleep. I'm constantly on go. You know, and that was a hard time in my life. So what I would do is any like situation or hardships that I would face after that fact, I would put it on the other side of the scale. And then I would ask myself, OK, this is hard that I'm facing right now but was it harder where I came from? And more often than not, it wasn't really the case. So that was my indication that it's like, okay, yes, this is hard that I'm facing right now, but I faced worse, which means I can deal with this. And, and I think I probably utilized that little, um, I guess I'll call it my, my mind technique, I, I guess is what I'll call it. I ended up using that <laughs> quite a bit because, you know, definitely there was a lot of, there was a lot of challenges with not only the physical discomforts, but also just like a lot of the mental uh, challenges, like the isolation, you know, just being, um, you know, like the only volunteer in this, in this village of like roughly 8,000 people. And then also, um, ha- being like in a community where that practices a different religion than, um, than me. Cause like, um, cause I'm Catholic and um the village was predominantly muslim so that was um an adjustment so there was a lot of moment of uh, moments of just feeling i guess a bit lonely even though i wasn't technically alone um for the most part but there was like the feeling of loneliness and isolation and a lot of difficulties with like trying to contact people back home because if i wanted to call someone it would be um, it would be expensive too. I think to talk to someone for like thirty minutes was maybe around like uh, twenty U.S. dollars, which um, and obviously um, being in Peace Corps, you don't get like a very high salary. You just kind of get enough to just like get by with living there. So like I couldn't really make a whole lot of calls because that would um, eat up a lot of funds fast. So and um, it was also one of those things where if I called someone and they didn't answer 
they couldn't call me back because um, my number that I had uh, there was kind of like, I guess, a block number. Like it, it, it just it just couldn't be reached. So it was uh, so there was that to contend with as well. But ultimately, uh, I just I just had to reflect on the challenges that I had faced before and weigh them against the challenges that I was facing in the moment and then just let that kind of serve as um a little bit of a of a guiding principle to get through the challenges I'd face. I I know it's a, I don't know if that fully answers your question or if you had like some other things that you were looking for, but that's what comes to mind when you when you pose me with that question. Mm-hmm. No, that that's exactly what I was looking for and just trying to understand the the mindset that you gained as a marine and how you brought that and transferred it over to your Peace Corps service. And even though uh, maybe you came a little bit more mentally prepared than most, um, no one is ever truly prepared for Peace Corps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can only, you know, refine your packing list so much and do so much studying and mental prep, uh, but it's you're still going to learn a lot and be challenged in unforeseen ways. So in what ways did... I guess Peace Corps challenge you that being a Marine didn't, or what are some things that you you learned in Peace Corps um, that were uh, you didn't you know gain uh, as a as a Marine? Well, the biggest thing that I took away from my Peace Corps experience was um, be, being able to hack away uh, the unessentials. You know, I kind of think in this day and age. You know, there is a, a tendency amongst many people that, you know, we want to try to like uh, kind of keep up with the Joneses, uh, so to speak. You know, we want to have the fastest cars. We want to have the latest and greatest piece of tech, you know, whether that's like the latest iPhone or the latest Galaxy or, you know, the brand new large TV that has the latest and greatest cool format. And I think from Peace Corps, though, not having those things I almost felt like pretty relieved because I was able to and better myself in like so many ways where I almost kind of saw like a lot of those things. I almost now kind of like look at a lot of those things with a little bit of disdain to to some degree because they they kind of they kind of I felt like this whole t- the whole time when I was just spending countless hours like you know watching like binge watching shows and also like you know, playing video games and this, that, and the other that I was missing out on so much and missing out on so many opportunities to grow and better myself. And so that was one thing that I really liked about um, Peace Corps, because again, like, like just reading, for instance, like I read like 50 books, like when I, when I was in Gambia, I never would have imagined I could have done that back in the States. And 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 then now I, I pretty much read regularly as well. Like, um, you know, I, 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 I read every single day and um, I so I've held on to that. But and then coming home after my service is I looked at all the stuff that I had in storage. And again, I it was all kind of with a little bit of like that disdain because like I felt like I had so much clutter in my life. It's like, why was I hanging on to these things that really didn't serve me? And so I just pretty much just cleaned house and I donated a lot of stuff Um you know, I took like multiple trips to like Goodwill and the Salvation Army to donate clothes and other items that, you know, I, I just didn't really think I needed anymore. And 
I eventually got myself down to the point where pretty much everything I own now is um, can pretty much fit in my car and be taken anywhere. And I'll, I'll tell you what, man, it's just I, I, I feel so happy, like just that way, too. Like even right now, if you if you were to like look at my apartment here <laughs> down in Florida, you know, no huge flat screen TV, you know, no Xbox, no PlayStation 4 or anything like that, which I'm sure probably some people having said that they're thinking, man, how do you survive? And I'm like, you know, it's like I don't survive, man. I thrive, you know, like that. So, I mean, I mean, I know like a lot of people probably won't uh, necessarily agree with this. I mean, they're, um, you know, I mean, and which which is, you know, fine. Like a lot of people um, are entitled to, you know, the things that they love. But for me personally, I just like the fact that like I was kind of awakened to just the idea of hacking away the unessentials. And that's actually one of my favorite um quotes from from Bruce Lee is that um, it's not about the daily increase. It's about the daily decrease, you know, and hacking away the unessentials. And I also heard like a similar quote from it was it was one of like the lead architects for like those the, one of those tiny home companies. But he said that you've reached the perfection of design when you no longer have anything to add, but when you no longer have anything to take away. So a lot of those things kind of like stuck with me. And it, it, and it's it's just been great because, you know, I think there's there's a lot of maintenance and a lot of stress that goes into having like a lot of those things, whether that's like financial stress or or like labor um, intensive stress or or whatever. So just like not just being able to cut all those things of life and understanding that I don't need them. It's very liberating. And now when I travel, like I travel no more with just the carry on. Like everything that I need for like when I last time I was in like Germany, for instance, I just uh, packed a carry on and that was all I needed for two weeks. And even when I moved down here to um, um, Florida from Michigan, like I just fit everything into my four door sedan and, you know, just uh, set up shop when I got here and really haven't felt the need to like really get anything else um, since I arrived. And like I said, it's it's freedom to some to some degree is kind of what I've been able to uh find in my life after sort of adopting this mean of essentialism. And that stemmed from what I had experienced in Peace Corps because, you know, I just had a one bedroom house like in, in the Peace Corps and nothing else. And I actually came back um, from Peace Corps with less stuff than what I initially went there with, which I know for many volunteers is probably the other way around. So, so that's definitely the, the biggest thing is just you know, kind of focusing on like needs versus wants and just really hacking away and, you know, kind of ridding your life of a lot of things that just simply don't serve you and don't really, you know, help you improve and grow. So and so that's really the biggest lesson that I say I took from my Peace Corps experience. And that is a, a very important lesson, one that I'm try, trying to learn and come to terms with in my own right. So I'm a little uh, Jealous of you, envious, inspired as well, because I'm. B- before uh, we got into this interview, I was mentioning that I'm in the process of moving, and I'm going every every time that I've moved, I I own less and less stuff because I I box everything up and I just look at it and say I don't I don't need this, and you you unearth things that as you're packing it into a box to to move with you, it's like well I haven't used this in a year, why do I still own this? So I am I am working towards uh, where where you're at, and I'm going to be moving into my uh, an apartment with my girlfriend uh, 
much smaller place than we're used to. So we're going to have to par down even more. So I might look to you for some tips uh, and tricks and just uh, maybe just encouragement uh, that it'll be okay. I don't I don't need as much as I think I do. Well, I'm an open book, man. So yeah, any questions that you have or any ways that I could, you know, help, especially, you know, I'm definitely open to help a fellow returned Peace Corps volunteer because certainly all know more, all, all too aware of the challenges that, you know, we face. So, and, and of course, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we just got to stick together, you know, just, uh, you know, cause like if anything that can relate to what other volunteers are going through, it would be another volunteer. So I'm certainly happy to help uh, in, any, in any way I can. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And may, maybe uh, we should uh, team up together and write a, a piece about this as well. Cause I, Actually, I see this question a lot on uh, Reddit, on the Peace Corps subreddit. Uh, I, I spend some time there, and there's a lot of people asking, uh, I guess, volunteers before they go, asking, where do I store my stuff? Where do I store my stuff? And pretty much all the returned Peace Corps volunteers uh, say, uh, just get rid of it. Like you, <laughs> You're not going to want it when you're going to get back. You're going to realize that it was dumb to store it to begin with. Uh, so maybe if we could uh, write a write a a piece to encourage people uh, to take that mindset. Uh, I think we should team up and do that. Yeah, definitely. Let, let, let's talk offline sometime and yeah, see what we can come up with. That'd be cool. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you're doing other stuff as well than uh, outside of your nine to five. You are a, a fellow podcaster. Uh, that's sort of, I guess, how we connected or you, you had first heard of my podcast and we had done some interacting on Instagram, uh, sort of, I guess, mutual liking of each other's stuff and, and content. And, uh, then we've connected. I, I did an episode for your show. Now you're on mine. Uh, but let everybody know about your podcast, the all around adventure podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, the term all around adventure um, has the meaning has kind of changed up a little bit since I initially started. Originally, I came up with the name all around adventure to kind of highlight my versatility as a traveler, because like, obviously, you know, I do just as well um, in a rural village in West Africa as I do roaming the streets of London. And I uh, and I enjoy like um eating like some local cuisine, like anywhere, as much as I enjoy, like trekking through like a difficult wooded trail. And so I have a lot of versatility as a traveler. So initially that's where the name came from, but it sort of evolved as I've really kind of established a mission with this podcast, with the, with my podcast. And that mission is simply just to be valuable, you know, to add value um, in, into the world. Because um, there's been a few times in my life where, you know, I wasn't always like a, a person of value. I would almost dare, I, was, I would actually pretty much say I was a burden on many people. Um, you know, and that, that, that was like during like a rough like moment in my time when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I don't know how much time we I have to share this story, but like, um, you know, so if I may, I guess I'll just kind of give a uh, like a, the cliff notes. But like I was um, uh, a little bit I, I let myself get a little bit too heavy or as the as the Marine Corps likes to um, say, um, I was a fat body and I was put on a body composition program where other Marines had to take time and actually work out with me to try to get my body composition down. Cause I had just let myself go. And, and I kind of really like hated that, like about myself because I, um, 
you know, for not only am I burdening like these Marines who have to get up at like um, zero five o'clock in the morning um, to 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 go like work out with me, potentially taking time away from maybe their families or whomever. And and it was because and it was because of me. And then also looking on a more like grander scale, it's like there was no way I like the shape that I was in. There was no way I could pull um, a, a, a wounded Marine off the battlefield. And I would also slow Marines down if they had to carry like me off the battlefield because I couldn't keep up. So I just I, I hated I hated that about myself. So I really d- dialed it in and I really whipped myself into shape. And I actually ran the Marine Corps Marathon like um, not just a year like after that. And um, so basically at that point, I just said, I don't want to be a burden on anyone anymore. I want to be valuable. And the podcast getting back to the podcast now, I know I kind of got off on a small tangent there, but being a podcast, that's the way that I try to do it. And, and now it's not specifically just me talking about my Peace Corps experience, but just like um, pretty much all my travel experiences in general, because a lot of my greatest personal growth came from my travel like experiences. And and I noticed that it's, it's a similar trend with like a lot of other travelers as well. So what I aim to do is um, I, I aim to get other travelers on my show to have them share their stories and the lessons that they've learned and how they've implemented these lessons into their life. And hopefully, you know, kind of give like some lessons that the listeners can take as well and implement into their own lives as well to, to benefit them. And, and I've, I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to speak with travelers of all kinds as well. Like I've had the opportunity to talk to um, a former special forces operative. Um, I've been able to speak with returned Peace Corps volunteers like yourself. Um, I've talked with entrepreneurs who start, who've uh, started uh, million dollar companies, um, philanthropists, best-selling authors, adventurers, you know, you name it, I've been able to get them on the show so far. And and each one of their stories is unique. And a lot of times, like, you know, you might hear some overlapping when it comes to like life lessons. And sometimes they just might be like, um, entirely like different, um, altogether. But, and that's the mission that, that I aim to have with this podcast with, uh, all around adventure is, to bring these, to entertain people with these stories and give them life lessons that they could uh, take and implement into them into their lives and just become all around better people. And that's what um, all around the term all around adventure has evolved to. It's to, it's not reflecting on me anymore. It's about how I could be of service to um, other people and just help them just become, like I said, become all around better people in their lives. So, so that's uh, my podcast in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, that is an excellent mission, and everybody who's listening should definitely check out uh, the All Around Adventure podcast. It is one that is very in line with uh, the kind of stuff that I'm doing here with the My Peace Corps story. So if you've been listening and like this podcast, definitely worth uh, a listen, uh, because also if you're like me, I'm always uh, open to, to to new podcasts. I, I have only so much time to consume them, but I'm always willing to to, to try something new and, and dabble in it and see if I, it's something I need to add to my, my roster on Stitcher. Before we, we close out your episode, is there anything else you would like to share with the My Peace Corps Story audience? Well, I think I know that a lot of uh, your guests, they like to kind of just give like some like maybe some parting words of advice or encouragement for um, 
like anyone who's interested in maybe joining Peace Corps. And so I guess I will kind of like uh, do the same where it's like, um, like for anyone who, who's, who is interested in joining Peace Corps, um, yes, I've, I've, we talked about like you've heard about many challenges that volunteers had faced and, you know, maybe that might um, make you like question your decision to, to actually go. But you should rather look at those challenges and use them as more of, I think, reasons to work towards going into the Peace Corps because facing challenges and enduring hardships and also going back to what we say in the Marine Corps, embracing the suck, that's how you grow. You know, that's how you become stronger. You know, the like the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing grows there. So and I know sometimes we like we tend to like have a society today where it's like we really try to avoid challenges and just really just try to surround ourselves with things that make us feel comfortable. But again, you know, you you don't you don't grow that way. You don't become stronger. You don't become better. So so if you have doubts about like joining the Peace Corps because of like challenges that you hear, don't let that be as a deterrent. Let that be a motivator. And let that be something that will drive you to to make that decision because you 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 will without a doubt I can guarantee you 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 will become you'll come back from that experience an entirely different person than you were when before you had initially left and and I would dare say better in so many ways so so don't run away from challenges run to them and. Like I said, the <laughs> the benefits you, that you get along the way are going to be amazing. And I'm pretty much excited for anyone who's willing to step up and do them and see how and see how they come out um, the other end upon completion. Josh, perfectly said. What a better way to end your episode. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you, learning more about your service and finally just, you know, connecting on a on a real level. I know we're we're Skyping right now, uh, but it's great to actually have the opportunity to sit down and you know ask these questions and dig deeper into your backstory and Peace Corps service. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to uh, keeping this relationship going. Hey, the pleasure's been mine, Tyler. You know, you've had a lot of uh, fantastic guests on this uh, podcast already, and it's just, I certainly consider it an honor to you know, be invited on as well and to, to be among them. So thank you. And there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe so you get a new episode every single week. Additionally, if you want to hear My Peace Corps Story, be sure to check out my book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. Until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?